0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 113, and today is the strongest day ever on The Real Bodybuilding Podcast. I have Mr. Tom Stoltman here. How are you, sir? This is the world's strongest man now. How's it going?
1: Yeah, I'm the world strongest. I'm good. thank you for having me. And Yeah, it feels nice to be the world's strongest man, you know, and taking it back to Scotland. First time ever it's been here. So,
0: yeah, it feels good. How How old are you, man? So I'm uh,
1: 27 years old, so I'm still the young young pups of the sport still.
0: <laughs> 27 years old. Look, I want to start off the podcast by saying I don't know very much about strongman. I've watched some of it on TV, and it's like super interesting, but I don't know all the ins and outs of it. So hopefully, you can teach me some about that some some of that today. <laughs> but at 27 years old, you're now call yourself the world's strongest man. Is that crazy? Like you're the strongest guy in the world.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean. It doesn't sink in. You know, I used to watch this when I was a kid with my family and uh used to watch these guys and be like, you know, these guys are super men, you know, like how are they lifting cars? How are they pulling trains, planes? I was like, this yeah. bamboozled me, you know. And then, you know, it's like, I watched that 10, you know, 10 years later. I'm standing here as the world's straws, man. It's like, it's cool. It's a manly title. It's a prestigious title. And uh, yeah, man, I'm going to, it's not really sunk in yet. You know, I've not had much time to kind of, uh, have a chill and you know spend it with my family and stuff. But yeah, it feels it feels awesome, you know, to be a twenty seven year old kind of normal guy and just have this title. It's it's prestigious to me. Man. Um,
0: uh, have you done any celebrating? What would what did you do after your one? Like, did you did you drink for like the whole weekend or what did you do?
1: Yeah, so as soon as the uh, comp was over, there was that after party over at, uh, in America. Uh, you know Brian Shaw's kind of food supplement company put sitting on for us. So yeah. yeah. I got very drunk out there. The heat and drink don't go very well, you know. And whiskey as well. So <laughs> <And> then- how, <laughs> how
0: right.
1: much,
0: what is it? How much does it take for a guy? What do you what are you six eight, right? Six eight, yeah. How much do you weigh?
1: I weigh 180 kilograms, which I don't like 300. Know, I think it's
0: pounds. like I think it's like yeah, 300, 380 or three hundred and ninety pounds, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. so almost almost 400 pounds so what does it take for a 400 pound guy to get drunk how much do you drink
1: well it's in america it was uh not too much because of the heat and i mean started off solely on the beers two or three of them and then it went straight to the whiskey shots. so <laughs> <laughs> I, I woke up I, know, I, a few hours, I think i woke up in bed i didn't even remember going back to the hotel so um <laughs> yeah it was it was a messy night. i think all of us had a bit too much to drink you know and then had to catch a plane home but then when I got back to the UK uh my family had put on kind of a big celebration for me and my fr- uh, with my friends and stuff so that was nice you know to kind of I, I sacrificed a lot you know the seven months up to world so it was nice to kind of just chill out chill and let my hair down and you know celebrate kind of properly with all them so
0: so you say seven months to prep what is can you kind of walk me through like what is that like when we prep for, in bodybuilding, in the bodybuilding world, when we prep for a show, we usually give ourselves three to four months to kind of prep for a show and get all the fat off and all that. When you say seven months for the strongman competition, what is that seven months leading up? How does, like, what's the main focus? Obviously to get stronger, but how else does it work?
1: Yeah, so basically, obviously like, uh, so I came second place last year in November. And uh, basically, as soon as I touched back down in UK, I was already thinking about, World Strongest Man 2021. Uh, I addressed all my weaknesses that I had in November out there uh, last year. Brought all the, all the specialist equipment I needed. Uh, and then, you know, kind of took it from there. Um, talked to my coaches and my nutritionists and said, and just sat down for a week or so and like planned everything out, what I needed to do, what I needed to kind of eat, etc. And then uh, I actually as well signed up with a uh, kind of someone that helps with like, the mental kind of side of this the strongman game. You know, physically, I've always been physically strong and able, but mentally I've kind of lacked a bit of that and not okay. believed in myself and stuff. So yeah. this was to help me go past that, like, pain barrier and, you know, to kind of never give up when things are getting sore, hard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then I actually had a competition in March in for World Ultimate Strongman out in Bahrain. So what I did was I... We used that as kind of a warm-up and kind of to see if I was comp fit. And, you know, so I went into there weighing possibly probably about 400 pounds, just about. And then uh, yeah. I was feeling kind of very unfit, you know, mm-hmm. losing breath easily. A lot of fat on me that I didn't need. And uh, that was probably the best kind of thing I'd done because kept coming back from that, I then, you know, re-talked to my coaches, and my nutritionists and said, right, I've got March to June to kind of change myself. And be the best in the world so i kind of just did eight to ten weeks of fitness so it was yeah. like the first two months was a lot of kind of like bodybuilding kind of you know workouts like high reps you know 12 to 15 rep range a lot of kind of hitting high intensity cardio and my diet was a bit more cleaner you know it was um i was on about eight thousand calories which is maintenance for me so yeah wow i was all i was up i was staying at that but it was a lot of just the clean clean food um and then so then, once I kind of got that fitness to where I wanted it, I knew then. By then, you know, world strongest man, the past few years has been, you know, you have to be strong, but you have to be fit as well. So I knew that my fitness was hundred percent. Then it was then to catch my strength up with my fitness, and uh, so then I reversed everything. Basically, you know, I took the kind of conditioning out uh, and just did that once a once a week, and then started doing three to five reps. You know, and uh, the kind of. Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday was the gym stuff. And then the Saturday was the strongman day. So the event day, you know, where you do the five, six events
0: yeah. on the weekend. So, so did you come from so actually going back to that? So you worked on you're known as one of the faster guys, I guess, right? Like you're right. in strong in the strongman events. So when you came back and you were heavier, when you say you did cardio, were you doing cardio on like treadmills and machines? Or are you doing any running outside, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so it was the hit stuff, so it was like uh, assault bikes, uh, cross trainers, and then the skier, and then like, you know, like, say the, and then we do some, maybe some CrossFit exercises, like cleaning pre- uh, clean and jerks and stuff like that, so yeah. it was all just to keep the heart racing, you know, and the short uh, rest time, so I was sure. able to kind of recover between each set, which then really helped me to then, you know, get that fitness back up to where it should be, and then the strength just had, I only did another eight weeks to get the strength kind of back up to the top, so yeah i kind of i mean for me the most important thing for me was uh you know recovery i always say is the key you know i mean for me uh, the gym for me is like the second most important maybe in the third i think it's diet recovery you know gym yeah and uh my gym fit wasn't always the best you know i had a lot of kind of bad days but uh my recovery and nutrition was always on point i always made sure i was like obsessed with that and uh Again, I wrote everything down. Yeah, I wrote everything down. So I had a big whiteboard in my kitchen saying, Well, strongest man 21, well, strongest man 21. So I could visualize what my goal was. Um, And for me, that really helped me as well because, you know, sometimes you wake up and you're like, Why am I doing this to myself? You know, there's days where you can't really be bothered going to the gym, doing this and that. And like I said, I had a lot of them days, but I looked at that board and was like, Right, I've got eight more weeks to do this and I'll be the best in the world. And I really kind of, Every training session, I believed I was the best in the world before I even went out there, and I knew that if I kept going how how I've been going, then I I was going to be the best. So, yeah, I just did all that. So so probably about 16 weeks of proper kind of training to help me get to the World Straws, man, and then the recovery and nutrition on top of that as well.
0: Can I ask you, so you said you had a few coaches. How many coaches do you have, like, and for what different things do you have?
1: Yeah, so I have a coach for obviously the training, uh, yeah. and then I have a nutritionist, Nathan Payton from America. Okay. Uh, so then, and then I have uh, that kind of—I don't, I don't really know the specific name—but like the mental, for the mental kind of side of things. So it's like a
0: Amy. like a sports coach, maybe or like a sports psychologist. Yeah.
1: Sports psychologist, kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. 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 like that. Kinda. Yeah, so, uh, so she's called Amy. there and then I also obviously have my kind of physio. So those are the three main kind of people on my team that really do help me get that, like obviously the whole package. But those are the three guys. That i go to to kind of obviously listen to and yeah. do they kind of out the gym stuff
0: yeah so i, f- I find that really interesting cuz nobody would think that the world's strongest man has any doubts or issues like that which is which is amazing because you know i talk about that all the time on my show cuz i saw a sports psychologist myself um you said you used to wake up and have days where you weren't sure why you were doing it but you were second last year so even though you were second last year you still had some of those doubts, like where where is that coming? When you're so close, how people would be shocked to think that when you're so close that you still have doubts. Where's that coming? Yeah, I mean, from? I mean like
1: cause this just last year, I mean, you know, like I believed I was the strongest there, but it was the mistakes that I was making. I was making mistakes in my game. You know, every kind of comp, I was just making these wee mistakes that were costing me a title or costing me, you know, the first,
0: second can, place, whatever. So, can you give me? Can you give me an example? Sorry to interrupt you. Can you give me an example yeah. of like one of the mistakes?
1: So basically the first event last year of the final was, uh, you have to pick up an awkward shape kind of implement and then run it onto a barrel, then do a yoke run. And I was picking up the awkward shape thing. And just as I about to put it on the barrel, I slipped, slipped out my hand. Mm. Uh, so I ended up going from coming first in that event to maybe fifth or sixth. And then, um, you know, when I look back at the leaderboard, you know, I finished two points behind first. And if I go back to that event and didn't slip, I would have won World's Strongest Man. So, like, those were things going through my head. It's like, yeah. I'm making these stupid, stupid mistakes on the most crucial things. Yeah. And that's what I was saying about the mental stuff. Like, it's something that would play with me for a while. Like, how am I, you know, I just I just couldn't get it out of my head that, like, I was making these wee mistakes. So, that's why I kind of always had, sometimes had those wee doubts where I was maybe in the gym and again, as well, my grip wasn't the best ever. Um, I was saying well, I couldn't go past like the pain barrier. Um, last year, as well, we did this kind of thing. We had to hold a uh, kind of thing, uh, straight arms, right, to the side yeah. of you. And uh, yeah. as soon as the pain kind of came, I just dropped it. You know, and again, that was another thing that cost me the title. So that's why I went kind of back into the gym, and I was kind of like, you know, why am I making these mistakes? Why do I keep kind of putting my body through this pain and stuff? And Waking up doing stuff.
0: What is? Yeah, uh, how do you? That's actually. I always thought the pain barrier was like a kind of metaphorical thing, or or like a, a. I didn't think it was a real thing. So you experience the pain barrier, and they teach you how to actually get through it.
1: Yeah. So that Amy, the the psychologist, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, like, I was always saying like my left hand was going, or I couldn't do this, couldn't do that, and I struck it. And then as soon as I started working with her, I mean. Like I'm going to places I've never been before. I'm holding things that I've kind of never ever like held for time in my life, and I'm like it's right onto my fingertips, and I can feel the pain, but I'm still like squeezing it more, yeah. and it's just mental how your mind kind of switches from you know make not believing in yourself to believing in yourself, and if you say you can do something, you'll do it. When as soon as you say that word, can't, you just you just can't do it, and that's what I was saying. Like, like last year at World Strongest Man, I was saying I couldn't do a lot of things, and then. This year, I said, you know, I, I turned myself into that champion's mindset that you know I can do anything I want when I want.
0: So, how does she? I mean, that's interesting to me because it sounds so simple, but I know it's not. How do you go from not believing in yourself to believing in yourself? Like, you know, like obviously she worked with you in different ways, but what is it that triggered all of a sudden a belief?
1: I mean, I think it's also like last year as well. They've they're been so close to you know being the best in the world and uh, that made me really really hungry you know like because of my mistakes I knew that like I need to go back in and I was so so hungry as soon as I landed in the UK like I said I was hungry just to get straight back on plan and have that eight months of just like straw man straw man straw man and uh, yeah that's when my kind of mind changed from like right I can't do this I can't do that to I can do anything I want Uh, I can I'm the best in the world I kept saying I was the best in the world I was the best at this event I was Saying that I was the best at every single straw man event. And then when when and then also when I went with Amy, the lady, she then started just to tell me to say like some buzzwords. So telling me to like, you know, say be aggressive on each event, be aggressive or get angry, get angry. And then that kind of switched my mind to get angry and really, really attack the event like it was, you know, like my wife was under it or my family would, you know, yeah. die if I didn't lift it up. So it was kind of those dark, dark thoughts that really helped me get to being like kind of champion and like that different approach to the gym, yeah. kind of style and
0: stuff. You don't seem like you're a very angry person normally, though. No,
1: hundred percent. That's what the problem was. You know, I'm like even before with her, I was always going into the gym, kind of really relaxed, really chilled. Yeah. Sometimes that's a good thing, but most of the time, you want to get that kind of, you know, two minutes yeah. of the anger so you're going to kind of rip the rip the stuff off the floor, and yeah. that's what I was struggling with. You know,
0: so so is that i'm assuming then what was what was like your childhood like everything was yeah what was your family like you how many siblings mom and dad in the house all that normal
1: yeah so basically I'm, i've been i've got autism asperger's syndrome you know so uh i've been i've had that since i've been six seven years old so can you again, that's a,
0: before um, you go before you go on can you explain what that is
1: so uh, autism as Asperger it was kind of like uh I mean, it's kind of like ADHD, like, uh, I don't know if you know what ADHD is, yeah. it's kind of like like that, but not the kind of hyper anger kind of side, I mean, there's all different levels of autism, you can start from like the mild stuff all the way up to the kind of really extreme, and when I was a kid, I had like the in-between kind of one, so like I was misbehaving, I, you know, I was really, I didn't mature to a later age, I was really shy, I locked myself in the room, so it's kind of like yeah it's a, it's a disability you can't see you know and uh you know people label you and be like oh why is this kid doing this why is this kid doing that you know yeah. it's a, so yeah so that was really hard for me i mean i i got diagnosed when i was a really young boy and uh i mean my mom dad i have sorry, my mom and dad I had four other siblings so i had two brothers i have two sisters and uh you know they were all so supportive i mean my sister worked on the kind of that kind of job you know the looking after people with the additional needs and yeah. stuff so yeah, they were already kind of clued up with kind of what was going on but you know for me in my head uh, as a child of like having this kind of stuff and locking myself in the room and going to shops and like hitting things off the shelf you know it was a really kind of hard thing for you know my mum and that to experience and for me to be accept- accepted in like my with my childhood and stuff my mum and dad had to film me you know doing these behaviours and acting up and stuff to then get diagnosed and get help so you know it went to an extreme that I had to get physically get filmed to you know for people to believe that I had this illness which you know is not a nice thing for any one son or daughter. So they, to go
0: through. So your parents would film you?
1: Yeah doing, so, doing these yeah, things? Yeah so like I wouldn't get they wouldn't diagnose me or they wouldn't get help until they physically had evidence on cd or setting off on film sorry of me getting like abusive or yeah uh, you know, fighting or whatever, you know, and this kind of stuff. And that's all like, right. and then locking myself in. So that was kind of a really hard thing as well because, you know, my mom and dad were, you know, sad and that no one believed that I had this kind of disability, you know. And then going through, so then kind of sport was the thing that saved my life as well because, like, even when I was younger, I played a lot of football, uh, soccer, so soccer in America. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah in America, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I played a lot of that and uh, that was the thing that kept me going. You know, I didn't, even in primary school, I wasn't the kind of most educational. Um, my primary school was really small, for so a lot of all my mates played soccer and football. So you know, we were really close and everything. But it wasn't really until I hit I know, 14, 15 years old was when I said to one of my teachers that I want to tell all my friends that I've got this
0: uh, illness, additional needs. So uh, before I kind you, of go- stood- sorry, before oh. you go on how how old were you when you got diagnosed? Yeah, i six or seven years old. So oh, six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you carried. Yeah. So you carried that diagnosis of, of, you carried it from six or seven, all the way to fourteen without telling anybody.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So basically, the reason I did tell people because well in my because in my primary school we were all just hyper kids and everything anyway. So like I felt normal there because obviously kids were doing the same as me. Yeah. And then obviously transfer going from that school to the bigger school and. That's when I was like, right, there's triple the amount of people in here. Uh, I'm getting taken out of class, getting extra support and um, not turning up in school in days. And a lot of people were asking, like, why is Tom you know, doing this? Why is Tom doing oh, that? Okay. And that really played in my head as well, because I was like, not everyone else is being normal and I'm not. So that's when I said to one of my teachers, like, I want to uh, tell people that what I've got and stuff. And I did that. And as soon as I did that, I weight lifted off my shoulders and... They respected me for who I was, and yeah, no, like, so I was really scared because obviously I thought they'd turn their backs and go, "Oh, we don't want to know you, we don't like, we don't like you and stuff." But they were all so supportive, and like it was mental how like that weight just came off my shoulders, and it felt like I was a normal person, you know. And uh, yeah,
0: I think um, one of the things. So I I dealt with a lot of social anxiety uh, in my early twenties, and one of the things that weight that you talk about being lifted off your shoulders. The very first time I felt that was when I. people would ask because I would sit down to dinner and let's say I would start sweating or something. I'd get really uncomfortable. I, and I wanted to go, oh, I just wanted to be alone. I want to get out of the room and not be around anybody. And, um, once I could once I was able to tell people I all of a sudden felt better. I was yeah, like, 100%. I was like oh, I'm just having, I'm just having an anxiety attack. I'll be okay. Yeah. And then people kind of, it's almost like they're more supportive of it. So no, yeah,
1: hundred percent. Cause like, I hated saying that I was shy because I wasn't shy. I just hated like hiding it and saying I was shy because that I just wasn't. And that was the thing that was really eating at me. Like, oh, like when my parents just like, say, oh, he's just a shy boy. And it's like, I'm not shy. I've got this strong me. So, yeah. yeah. So as soon as I said that, it was very good, you know, because then I was able to react, uh, interact with people more and stuff. And then basically leaving school, you know, was hard. I was in and out of jobs, you know, out of college and stuff. And then my big brother was, like he was into the bodybuilding kind of scene already. He's 10 years older than me. So uh, about seven, 16 years old, he said, I, all my mates had left to go to away to the unis and stuff. And there was no like football stock anymore. So I did kind of, I was going backwards. I kind of started locking myself into my room again mm. and uh, not really talking to anyone. So that's when brother said, I'll oh, come to the gym and, you know, see how you like it and stuff. And, uh, you know, he took me to the gym and, uh, you know, the first few days I had my head, down, don't talk to anyone. I was just talking to him, my brother and lifting the weights, you know. And uh like I hated every minute of it too you know. I hated being really? around people, I hated the mirrors, you know, like them staring at me and stuff. Cause I was a really, really skinny boy as well, like really skinny. Uh like I said, no confidence, nothing, just uh, so that and then I started just kept going, kept going, kept going. Uh usually when I find things hard, I would just quit it and you know yeah. go back to being in my room and stuff. But I really wanted to
0: give it a go, you know. And uh did your, did your sorry? Did your brother keep you going? Is that why you kept going back?
1: Yeah. So my big brother really kept me going. On. He he was basically my coach at the start of it all. Like he, because obviously he knew what the autism was and how I had it, so he knew how to kind of. He went down to kind of my level, and slowed everything right down, and he taught me at like and say ten steps instead of two steps, you know. So yeah, yeah. He went to that, and he wrote everything down because. I can visualise more things when I write. So he did all that kind of stuff for me and took my time. So he really cared and wanted me to kind of grow as a person, not just in the gym, but out. So within like three or four months in the gym, I kind of started seeing a bit more changes, started talking to people, had my head up, started just like, because uh, my brother at this time worked away on, on like the oil rig. So when he was away, he didn't want me to not go to the gym. So, introduced me to a few people and I started going with them and then everything just kind of grew from there you know I kind of started getting really confident seeing changes in my body when I seen that change in my body I just got addicted you know I was like this is so good for my autism so good for like the mental kind of side of things and just kept me you know it kept me having a purpose in life you know I knew that I was coming to the gym every day what I was eating when I was going to bed and it was that routine or people with autism need a routine and that's yeah. what the gym gives me. There's no better kind of sport to do than you know, straw man bodybuilding, and it has a routine. So yeah. you know, every single day I was doing the same thing. And then I entered Luke, I really entered me into a competition at 18 years old, Scotland's strongest man without me knowing.
0: So how long how long like, how long had you been training before he entered you?
1: About a year and a bit.
0: So, okay.
1: <laughs> so I was just like, Oh well, thanks for that, you know, like yeah, the big thing. <laughs> I was like of maybe a junior level but yeah anyway I did that and then came fifth at that and then the thing then that struggled before with Strongman was when I started getting bigger it was the interviews and the cameras that started then um, coming into play and I was like whoa I didn't know Strongman had this kind of stuff in it I thought it was just uh, football and rugby and stuff So then that's when Luke came in and he really helped me you know he started talking to people at first for me and stuff and doing interviews but then I was like Luke I can't use Luke all the time you know I need to get over this hurdle like I've done getting into the gym and stuff. So what I did was I used the gym as a studio kind of thing. and put loads of lights in, got loads of people to ask me questions. I used like fake noise of a crowd to kind of get used to the noise and get used to people talking to me. And, you know, that's what I like usually I said uh, in the un- when I'm in an uncomfortable situations, I usually take myself out of that. But yeah. I wanted to put myself into the uncomfortable situation and uh, kind of do it for myself. And that's what I did. So... Like every interview that I was doing I was getting better and'm better and better yeah. and that was just because i was wanting to kind of improve you know improve myself because i didn't want this this straw man thing to kind of end because you know, I knew I was good at straw man I just wasn't good at the interviews
0: and the talking and
1: you yeah. know my head
0: was down like I said so how you know, long how long did your brother how long did your brother do the talking for you like how how many interviews how many years how many months went by yeah. where, where your brother's name is Luke, right Yeah, Luke, yeah, yeah, Luke, yeah. So I watched, because I watched some of your guys' YouTube videos. He seems like a great guy, but um, how long did he kind of be your voice?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was actually my voice for maybe the first maybe two, two and a half years, you know. It was quite a long time, maybe even three years, you know, because, I mean, I would talk and say the odd, like, sentence here and there, you know, hey, yeah, you know, hello, how are you? And then just head down, and he would, like, I would eat dinner, and he that's him talking. So it was quite a, a long process to get me from getting like one word to then talking you know but I mean that's the thing all the strong men understood what I had all the presenters knew you know that I was you know that had autism and stuff and they really just said look Tom take your time we're not we're not here to kind of yeah like intimidate you upset you you just do what you want you answer as yeah. many questions as you want and that's it so
0: it seems like the strong man community is like very tight-knit like you guys all seem like you're your friends is that true?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, because we, kn- it's like with bodybuilders, so you know exactly what you, they put their body through, you know? And yeah. I mean, it's uh, like, you know, when someone deadlifts a certain amount of weight, everybody's buzzing for them. When someone's, yeah. you know, wins the show, everyone's buzzing for them. And it's because, you know, the it's not like people think it's a one year, two year thing, but it's like 11, 12 years of hard work, sacrifice, and, you know, not spending time with your family and stuff that gets you to that stage. And yeah. everybody, just appreciates you for that and yeah Strawman's a big family so.
0: so i can't imagine a time when when you couldn't speak for yourself because you're this interview seems like you're doing you're doing all the talking which is great but um what i want to know what happened like after the two years you said your brother was speaking for you because this is like a crazy thing man a lot of people go through these type of feelings these this type of anxiety this type but i know you said it wasn't shyness and it's not anxiety you have you know a different thing but i think a lot of people can relate in in a different way what what was it that made you finally just force yourself and say you know what i'm going to start talking and then how hard was it when you did start talking
1: yeah well like that's what i said you know i forced myself just because i knew i was good at strongman and i knew that And I bet in my head i always thought like you know if i don't do these interviews or get myself out there then i'm never going to be able to take it to that next step and yeah. like i said i was like 20 21 at the time and, you know, I can't have Luke talking for me at, at 20, yeah. 21 years old. You know, it's at the end of the day, I've got autism, but I need to be able to push myself. You know, Luke can't go and baby me and lift the weights and that for me as well. So I thought, you know, like right, I'm gonna. That's why I did the stuff in the gym, and I suggested that idea and did it myself because I wanted to put, you know, grow myself as a to get more confident to help me speak in front of cameras and stuff. And I know, and then when I when I did my first interview after that, people were like right, Tom, take your time you don't need to talk. But then I just blossomed and I was like, "They were like, you know, geez, what's happening? <laughs> Luke's not saying a word now. You're now not shutting up. What, what, yeah. What's happening? You know, it's just, I just have to have a lot of kind of practice with a lot of things to yeah. then get comfortable, you know, and that's what I kind of just did. I just kept putting myself in uncomfortable situations, situations that I would never put myself in like seven or eight years ago and just kept on getting over this hurdle, the hurdle, the hurdle, so.
0: How uncomfortable was your first interview? Like, what is that? What is when people say, you know, that there's a common phrase that everybody says you have to get uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's just people just throw it away. Like it, it doesn't mean anything. But for people that have any type of mental issue or any type of issue, it's not easy to just put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. So the first, oh, no. the, so the first interview you agreed to, how hard was it to actually do it? And then how long was the interview?
1: Well, uh, I think it was that UK Strongest Man um, was the one I can remember and that was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done in my life because it wasn't just me in the room it was, obviously this was going on like TV and then there was like eight or nine other athletes queuing, watching me while I was trying to talk and then there was like five or six coming and I ended up having to kind of run out of the room, you know I just couldn't
0: like Did you really?
1: Yeah, I just couldn't like face it and then the nice thing for afterwards is what they let all the other athletes go first, and then they brought me back in afterwards and kind of took, like, put less people in the room. So then I got used to it. But, um, yeah, they knew after that not to start me hundreds of people. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's, that was the thing. That's just a thing I couldn't kind of cope with. But then they, you know, helped me kind of build my confidence up slowly, slowly, slowly. So, yeah, the first interview, Paul, was... Oh, it was uh, not a nice, not nice
0: situation. So, I tell people when they when they have issues like this, that you have to not beat yourself up about it if you kind of make a mistake. So, like that first one where you left the room and you had to come back. Like, do you did you give yourself a pass? You're like, you know, it's okay that that happened, and then just keep moving forward.
1: You know, I still like I said, I still wasn't mentally good then. You know, with the stuff like with all this kind of talk and stuff, but I kind of thought I let myself down. I just kind of, it did beat me up, you know, it beat me up for a while because yeah. I was like, geez, you know, it's just talking. Like I can go and lift loads and loads yeah. of weight, but I can't go and talk and then answer yeah. four simple questions in front of the camera. So it kind of beat me up for a while. But then, you know, I calmed down and got kind of, uh, it's just, I can, you know, it's just, a, it's just an interview. Then once everyone left, like I said, it kind of chilled out a bit. But yeah, the first 20, 30 minutes, I was kind of like beating myself up pacing back and forth, you know, going to my brother, like, you know, I've mucked it all up and stuff. So thinking yeah. it was the end of the world, basically, when it wasn't.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you you said you have uh, three other siblings. Are you the youngest of everybody or no?
1: So I've got a wee brother, uh, and then it's me, and then it's uh, my sister's sister, then it's Luke. So Luke's oh, the so oldest. You have, so
0: you have four siblings.
1: Four. four. Yeah. 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 Four.
0: And Luke's the oldest. So is Luke kind of the guy? So I have a brother who's uh, 11 years older than I am. And my father was much, much older than the rest of us. So I always kind of looked up to my oldest brother as almost like a father figure. Yeah, yeah. Is is Luke your older brother, or do you look up to him like kind of like a mentor?
1: Yeah, I mean, both, you know, to be honest, uh, he's always there for me through the thick and thin. And uh, obviously, like, me and Luke do the straw man stuff together, and we run a business together. So we're always, like, 99% of the time we're together. So, yeah, I look up to Luke. Especially at the, my earlier days of trauma, I looked up to him more as like my hero instead yeah. of my brother because he was the kind of one that did save me from going like maybe into foster care and not being a like a a functioning member of society and stuff, you know. So I kind of have a lot of respect for him, you know. And, but he even to even to this day, he makes sure I'm safe. He always puts me first before even like sometimes his wife and stuff, you know. And, you know that's a big kind of thing to do. So yeah. He is more than a brother to me. He's kind of like a, still a mentor and a hero as well for kind of helping me get to where I am today. So,
0: so I know you and your brother do. Uh, I know a lot of people watching probably don't, maybe don't watch Strongman. You and your brother actually compete in the World's Strongest Man together. And yeah. So sorry, sorry go ahead. I was well. So I was yeah, gonna, what, what I was going to ask was, what was it like when you finally overtook your brother? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. So yeah, the first I think I overtook my brother when it was at uh, Scotland Strongest Man. He had won five titles, and I think he was going for a, a record of six. Yeah. Uh, so I came in and stopped him from doing that, and then I won it again after that. And uh, I mean, you know, we're Luke, does, Luke, does, Luke says as long as I beat him and the title stays in the family, it's fine, and I'm vice versa with him. Yeah. And then uh, the thing that really kind of blew myself and Luke up was World Strongest Man. 2019 when myself and him both got to the world strongest man final so yeah. we were the first ever fight uh, brothers to get to the final
0: yeah
1: uh, in the history of the sport so that was a massive kind of thing for you know two brothers to do it and also to be uh, Scottish as well because Scotland's not very good at most things so <laughs> it was nice to be able to you know yeah. go over there and kind of make a big statement that was when i thought in strong and that's when i made my statement of coming fifth place at my second World strongest man and being there with luke as well was yep. kind of our statements of being the world's strongest brothers and stuff so.
0: so i want to go back to that question for one second i just want to ask you so because the reason i ask you is, is my, my oldest brother is kind of like my hero my mentor as well and i'm always chasing him um for me it's different we're not strong men and he's not a bodybuilder <laughs> but say like in, in business for example right so i don 't know like i don 't know if I'm ever going to catch him, but you caught your brother, so when your brother goes from being a hero and a mentor and then you catch your hero, what is it? not that there's any bad feelings there's no bad of course there's no bad feelings it's your brother, but is there a sense of satisfaction is there a sense of disappointment? Is it like shit he 's not my hero anymore or like what is the feeling
1: i mean there's a lot of satisfaction because you know Luke had you know five years in a row of being a champion, and i I was second to him. I think it was three times in a row, so, you know, being second to your brother three times in a row does get, yeah. like, you want to, like, strangle them or do something, and then, finally <laughs> then have that extra 2% in the next two years and beat him. and then, like I said, World strongest man as well, I kind of tipped him in that, and, it, yeah, it's a kind of, it's a big, massive relief as well to kind of know that, uh, I mean, being 10 years younger as well, and you always want to get that one-up on your brother. So uh, yeah. we have some group, I keep my trophy in my car and every time I come to the gym, I flash it to him and say, look, I'm the champion. <laughs> so, you know, it's, the, that's the good thing about us because we're never really serious, you know, and we're always kind of private of each other's success and energy, business, man, life. And, you know, we're always, even like, it's like the orders we do of how many merchandise orders can we pack in a day? You know, it's kind of, we're yeah. always having that kind of competitiveness. And I think that's shows and it's really kind of friendly. But yeah, he's obviously still my hero and mentor and stuff. Yeah. And I really want him to kind of, you know, uh, push up and get to like the top two in World Straws man next year and kind of fight with me as well. But yeah. we have such good kind of battles and training as well. I mean, Luke's one of the best law pressers in the world. I'm the best stone lifter in the world. So we really kind of go head to head and, you know, put all our heart into it. But yeah, it's, it's fun being... Younger brother, but also being a better brother now and the stronger brothers.
0: <laughs> do you? Does the competition uh, extend itself past the gym? Like I saw one of your videos. You guys were like racing to see who many crack, who could crack ten eggs first. <laughs> so I'm just like, is it? Is that kind of shit go on all the time? Like you and your brother always competing for dumb shit like that, or is it like just in the gym?
1: No, nah, yeah, yeah, like that. Then and also we do. We did a lot. We did a 50 meter sprint a few of them and uh, really? again but the thing is Luke pulled or tore his hamstring on one and did a slight tear in he had so he always tears his hamstring when he does that and yeah. then we do like uh, so we're called the Spicy Stoltmans but the thing is, is I don't like spicy food so yeah. it's a ironic name so we do a lot of spicy challenges on uh, YouTube as well so it's like who can eat the spiciest peppers who can eat the spiciest sauce and although I don't like it obviously I don't want to lose to him so I kind of you know,
0: go over the again. top and Sorry, so you do it anyways. You'll just do the spicy yeah, shit anyway, just to beat him.
1: Uh, if Luke's doing like a oh, pepper, I'll do a pepper in a bit just to beat him, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's that's the same. Like the rivalry is always in the gym, but we do it outside Outside the gym, we have so much fun. But it's like I said, it's competitive, you know. It's like if he's if he's gonna do something for you know two or three meters, I'll do it for four or five meters. If he's a uh, you know, uh if we're like you know doing settings for YouTube and it's to involve food challenges or something, I don't like doing much food challenges. But if it involves him, I'll go all out to beat him. You know. So yeah, yeah. We're I,
0: really, we're I'm gonna show people. I want to show people your uh, channels real quick. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So this is your uh, YouTube page, the Stoltman Brothers. Yeah. Everybody yeah, watching, go subscribe. There's some really good videos on here. So um I watched some of these yesterday. They're actually really, really good. Uh, and okay. you guys, you guys got a lot of challenges on here. And there was one video I watched yesterday that you guys bought your dad a, a, pickup, yeah. a pickup truck. We're gonna, I'm going to get into that in a minute, but I want to show people your Instagram page too. You can follow Tom Stoltman official here on Instagram. It's just Tom Stoltman official for those of you listening on audio. And there's you with the world's strongest man trophy. <laughs> Is this back home in Scotland?
1: Yeah, that's back home yeah, in Scotland, yeah.
0: What was the reception like from the public? Was there anybody of, like that's not in the strongman community that like came and congratulated you for bringing it home for Scotland?
1: Yeah, man, it was it was bonkers. Like I've never ever experienced the kind of attention I've ever had this much attention before. Uh, it was just as soon as I landed in the UK, all the air hostess, all the security knew, and I was like, "Geez, you know," like usually you have to say, usually they ask you the question. What do you do? Do you play rugby or do you play soccer and stuff? Or yeah, you a know, WWE superstar. But then they they knew exactly who I was, so it was nice to you know land in the UK. They knew exactly what, who I was. Traveling up the road, there was people beeping, stopping. There was flags of my name That's going all awesome. the way up the road. Yeah, and then uh, came up to obviously where we live, and there was people just waiting for me. and I was like, "Geez, this is this feels weird," you know. Was all the media there as well? So yeah, it was it was hectic, man. It was
0: very good. That's amazing, man. Do you ever, it's such a good story. Do you ever sit and think, like, we're just talking about your your history as a child. Like, do you ever sit and think, like, where you came from to where you are?
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I, I sat down the other night. I was like, you know, from my boy who was, like, kind of autistic, not going anywhere in life, dropped out of school, dropped out of, like, every job I had to then being the most successful in this sport, It's it doesn't feel real. It's kind of like a dream. Like, how did i go from that to this and yeah. yeah it's hard work and stuff but it's also the support you've got you know like i always put, i always have that we circle i don't have the big circles i have the we circle with people and that's you know like i always talk to my wife about it all and stuff and my and my dad and my sister and i'm like no how the heck have i gone from that to this because like if you've seen videos and stuff when i was younger you would have been like that's not tom Stokman, you know that's yeah. what everybody says to me it's like that is how the heck's is that the same person? It's like,
0: yeah.
1: it just with me as well sometimes. You know, holding that trophy is a special feeling.
0: What? Uh, how long have you been married?
1: Uh, so I got married young. I got married at 21, so 22, six years. I got, my mum passed away five years ago of cancer. So uh, Sorry again, that. That, that's a really big uh, motivation for me as well to uh, win worlds. And also in 2018, I said live on kind of Facebook, social media, all that. In 2021, I was going to win World Strongest Man for my mum. I said to her, I'd make a three-year promise. 2019, I was going to qualify for the finals. I did that. In 2020, I was going to get on podium. I did that. And then in 2021, win. So the story has been, it's just bonkers how I've done that. Yeah. Like, I'd, I made a promise and kept it. And it did. said exactly what I was going to do each year. So uh, she's my biggest support. I mean, like, that—that that, with the pain thing, going back to that, like, uh, the pain thing as well. Like I put myself through this pain, and my mom didn't have the choice to go through that pain. So again, that's why I can go now to that place where, you know, this ain't pain. This is me. What do you mean? Putting pain onto myself. Can you like explain, in, the, in the gym and stuff? So
0: I know I'm in the gym, but can you explain to me what you mean exactly? Because you said your mom didn't get a chance. Do you mean to to see you? Is that what you mean?
1: I mean, she. So yeah, so my mom died of cancer. So but she never got to see me win a trophy yeah, uh, yeah. so she got to see Luke win I think it was three Scotland's strongest mans and she didn't get to see me win so like you know that kind of you know that was kind of like a like right, oh my mom's never really, never seen me do it she kind of passed yeah. away I was like right yeah. I, I need to do something so yes yeah, so I used her as kind of energy and you know to control everything and just use her to kind of boom get that power sure. and stuff
0: and it really sure. really helped you know so so you've been with your wife for married for six years how long have you been with her when did you meet uh, her
1: I met her at 18, so yeah, nearly 10, 10 years, nearly
0: so. So, okay, so how is your wife with any of your autism? Like, is she helpful? Like, obviously she's helpful, but I mean, is she is she more just accepting or is she actually help you get through things?
1: Yeah, she's, uh, she's been unbelievable. Like I said as well, you know, like I the thing I remember from kind of in my leaving school is that I, one of the teachers said to me, you're never going to get you never going to move out your parents' house. You're never going to be successful. You're never going to do nothing. So, you know, obviously that stuck with me. But then when my kind of mum was obviously uh, getting ill and, and dying and stuff, you know, I wanted to kind of give something back to her because obviously she had done so much for me. And being the autism and stuff, she was obviously there for me more than she was any other siblings. So, yeah, I met Sinead at 18 and years old. And then she obviously... I obviously told her, you know, I was autism and stuff and was pretty scared because I thought she might have been like, right, I don't want to be with you, bye, you know, yeah. get out. But uh, yeah, she was so supportive. I mean, she's been to, she went to my first man comp to now still obviously supporting me. She understands the sacrifice. She understands that, like, she needs to come on to my level as well. She studied a bit about autism when she met me. So she kind of, you know, she, she kind of wanted to help me and wanted to kind of basically care for me as well as, you know, because... I needed that extra support. But, uh, yeah, I got married at 21 for, with her as well. And it was kind of my la- mum's last ever kind of proper time seen, you know, as together. And it was a really special feeling because I said to my mum, I wanted to either move out the house or get married. So, you know, I got married uh, and then she was getting older and older. And I was able to then move out the house and do two things that, you know, I wanted to show my mum. Because my mum said she didn't just want me to be a good strongman. She wanted me to be a good person and, good, and male provide and be successful in life. So yeah, I bet my, my wife is unbelievable. You know, Sinead's uh, been through the things with me. So
0: how often is that thought? Cause my father passed away, I think eight years ago now, maybe more. It's been so long shit. 2006, actually a lot longer. It's been 2006. So anyway, how often is that thought in your mind? Like, is your mom there every time you make a decision? Cause I know for me, like, a lot of times when I'm struggling with something, I think about my father and what he would do.
1: Yeah, 100%. Obviously, like, uh, you know, the thing is with my wife as well, my wife and my mom were, like, kind of the same person as well. They really yeah. got on, which really gave me that warmth. Uh, so, like, when my my mom passed, she Sinead kind of, she sounds like I was talking to my mom when I was talking to her. But, yeah, I have a picture of my mom in my house that I kind of uh, talk to if I'm struggling. Yeah. So, like, I'll, you know, if I'm, making a decision or being like right I want to buy this and I was like right wait what would my mum think or something so yeah I, re- I kind of talked to her again it also uh gives me comfort as well you know that kind of thing of seeing my mum there in the house gives me that bit of comfort i got a tattoo as well because her favorite flower was sunflower so I have that on me as well just to know that she's with me but yeah uh that's just my comfort thing but yeah my wife as well she's the most supportive person ever like that's for man, like she sacrificed a lot as well to, to be with me and to let me do this sport and let me kind of grow as a person. You know, like she could have said, oh, I don't want you to be a strong man when she met me. Yeah, And then I would have never had this opportunity to be the best in the world and do stuff like this. But yeah, she's been unbelievable. And like I said as well, my mom as well.
0: Can I ask you a weird question? If you, when your wife met you, she said, you know, I like you a lot, but I don't want you to do strongman. Would you have stopped? No. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's what I know. I'm just, I mean, curious, I'm just curious. I
1: kind of, I kind of like. I said to kind of her, you know, I was like, "Look, I'm a straw man. Uh, this is what I do. If you don't like it, you can leave now." You know, I basically yeah. gave her the decision to kind of. I didn't want to get serious and then be like, "Right, I'm traveling all the time. I'm doing a comp- competitions in the gym." If you don't like it, you know, I didn't want her to wait a few years and be like, "Right, I don't like this sport." So I gave yeah. her that option straight away. You know, and she's stuck with me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it worked out. Will you uh so I want to go back to that the video I watched of you and your your how supportive and how much does your dad mean to you? Because I saw that you and your brother bought him a truck for Christmas. Was it last year that you did that? Yeah, last
1: year. Yeah. I mean, my dad again is like I said, we're such a close family. Um, uh, we all live with like 10 minutes between each other. So um uh so yeah, my dad again is like my mom, a massive, massive supporter. Uh since my mom's passed away, he's Followed us around, you know, the country, the world, uh, watching us compete. Uh, yeah. It's nice it's how it's how nice how passionate and how like emotionally he gets talking about myself and Luke because obviously we're his sons and you know if you said that to him like twenty years ago your sons are going to be two guys that are going to be on top of the world lifting massive weights and being the world's strongest men he'd have been like who's it you know that's, that's yeah, not yeah. happening. these guys are yeah. from a small town with 4,000 people, they're not going to be able to do that. So he loves to kind of talk about us and, you know, like just, he's just so proud of us. And it's it's so nice to see, you know, he tells all his kind of older friends, our family and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, know, he's got, he had a really, really old pickup that was falling to pieces and kept getting work done to it. And we were like, you know, I mean, it's only really a pickup. And uh, we thought, you know, he's done so much for us and given us so much. He's, you know, he helped me fund my straw man at the start and stuff. So we were like, right. Let's give him a pickup and make him kind of happy and stuff. And he was, I mean, you've seen it in the video himself. He yeah. was so emotional. He was so thankful. I mean, you know, like, it's just so nice to see his emotions come out and how thankful he was that we all did that for him and that we all came together, you know, and it was yeah. just that. Uh, it was such a nice thing. I was so happy that we could, we were able to do that, you know. We always wanted to give something back to my dad, and we were in that position now that we can actually do that. It feels so good, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got emotional watching the video.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: i'm just, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I'm just telling because i have because i thought of my dad like my yeah, oldest, yeah. my oldest brother bought my dad a car a long oh, time, yeah. a long time ago his first car so uh i remember the the same it was the same kind of look the same feeling and you, i could see yeah. the, the emotion in your dad's eyes i was like this is crazy i can't i can't watch <laughs> yeah. it i'd like fast forward I'm like, i can't watch this um but uh no it's great man i, I think that's an awesome thing that you're doing and uh you guys seem like a really close family, so it's really cool. But I want to get into some of the X's and O's of Strongman because I think people would be kind of shocked. So you said your maintenance calories are 8,000 calories a day. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, obviously when I'm
0: not kind of close to our competition, 8,000 is what I need
1: to kind of maintain this body body weight and stuff.
0: So what about if you're trying to grow? You got to go up to 9,000, 10,000? Like how, uh, how many calories are you eating? Yeah, so...
1: So basically, let's just talk for worlds like the doors that just passed because that was okay. kind of my most obviously aggressive food site thing. So basically, when I was about well, when I was kind of starting the new year, this January to every March time, it was eight thousand, and then uh, closer to the Bahrain called March, it was up to nine, nine and a half. So I stayed at about nine and a half thousand through March through the Bahrain thing. But then obviously coming back when I was I'm like I'm yeah. fit and stuff coming home I then drop back down to my maintenance to try and get, or just under maintenance, sorry, to get some fat off and stuff. And, yeah. you know, the unwanted weight. Way, uh, way. And then I came, came back just, I was like eight and a half thousand, eight thousand seven hundred and fifty 8,750 till about six weeks out from World's Strongest Man. And then that's when the calories increased. So then I went up to like, I think it was near enough, nine, nine and a half, about four weeks out because my, in, my, Sessions went like intense, really intense. So I needed to get that. I I felt it, you know. He was, he gave me that choice. I was like, no, I can't do eight and a half thousand. I need extra because the 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 sessions were serious. And then the most crazy thing is, is so I was two weeks out, and then you know I thought, oh, that's me done, nine and a half thousand, nice and easy, boom, boom, getting used to it. And then he said, right, uh, I think we flew out nine days before or ten days before. And then he said, in America. I'll be going up to 10,000 10, plus. And that was, I mean, 10,000 tally was, I felt that that was insane. I mean, you know, uh, well, in America, they eat food like, their portions are, you know, <laughs> yeah. like massive compared to the UK. So like, yeah. you, know, you order a burger in America and you're like, you order a burger in UK, you're like, this is all right. You order one over there and you're like, Jesus, yeah. you know, I have to get this done. And I was on, I mean, Five Guys, uh, that was, that's my favorite kind of fast food place yeah, me, over there. Me too, I, yeah. yeah, so I, for every day before reading up to worlds, 10 days out, I was on four or five guy meals a day, plus, uh, <laughs> plus the sh- two shakes for them. And then I like, I was on like meatballs, spaghetti. Okay, bolognaise. wait. wait I, ha- I
0: have to stop. I have to stop you. Sorry to interrupt. What, what, what is the like, what was a standard order at five guys?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it was a the, the large, the large burger, the large fries
0: yeah uh, two strawberry milkshakes every day like so Two strawberry milkshakes the milkshakes yeah. probably milkshakes probably have all the calories
1: yeah because i forgot how big they were because i've not been out to the states in a while and i ordered the first one i was like i messaged like crap but you want half this <laughs> 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 we're not in the uk anymore and i kept forgetting because you know they overflow the chips and the burgers are like here so yeah i mean that was that ten days being out there was very intense as well because we weren't really moving around because you weren't allowed out of the hotel because yeah. obviously the COVID situation. So yeah. you know, being kind of in your room, not having this body kind of this food digest, you're like, uh, oh, it was so hard. But you know, so you, I, I so, had to do
0: it. so sorry, I have to interrupt yeah. you. Again. I'm sorry, you yeah. ate that meal four times a day.
1: Yeah. So basically, so breakfast, breakfast usually breakfast at home is usually ten eggs is my usual. But then, so in America it was. I always started off with, it was like, six pancakes, three or four eggs, and then kind of some potato chip things down at the buffet, whatever it was, and then after that, he would be like, like burger and chips at like 10am, burger and chips at 12, and then, <laughs> oh obviously these are the days before I was competing, and then it was like three o'clock, and then he was like, but then it was like, I was going up to say 9pm, having my bolognese, and all that, and then he would mention me at half ten saying, have a five, guys, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I, want to go to bed. So, yeah. I mean, I was in you know, I was enjoying all that kind of food, but it, it it was so hard to get down, you know, but I don't all, you know there in the heat and stuff. So
0: I think I'm gonna do your diet as a challenge one day. Just like yeah, I mean, food eats <laughs> it's a Stoltman diet for one day. No, but uh
1: people were thinking like, you know, because I was getting messed up, oh why are you eating all that cat kind of food? But you know, they don't realise it's fuel, you know. Yeah. I didn't do that a whole prep just for the last seven days. I went like that extreme because it's fuel. I needed that fuel for it. If you think about it, well, Strongest Man is five days long, so that'll burn out quickly, you know? And especially yeah. the heat over there was unbelievable. Like, I've never, ever experienced heat in my life where, like that. Where, where was it? Uh, Sacramento, California. Okay, so, okay, okay. Well, so yeah. I just, it uh, was like 90, 110 degree Fahrenheit or something. They were saying 900. Yeah, that's right? crazy.
0: I can't, um, I think people, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, 10,000 calories, no big deal. But, you know, some guys will do that as a challenge and they'll get through it. No problem. But I'm like, you're doing that every single day. Like, that's the crazy thing is you're, and even in your maintenance, like 8,000 calories every single day is like, that's a lot of, like, how do you get through it? and Not like you, you, you said 8,000 calories was no big deal. Like it doesn't feel. Yeah, like- I mean,
1: I say that. <laughs> a will a lie. I mean, it is. I mean, when you're eating 10 eggs every single day or, you know, like, how, whatever, long you're kind of like, yeah, you get to the fifth day of the week, then you're kind of like, I've already had 40 eggs this week, <laughs> like, you know, this is, this is, and then, like, if you don't cook them right now, well, if you cook them a bit kind of and like not runny, they're a bit get hard, and you're like, they're gross, oh, wow, you know, what? I know, because I, so it's 10 eggs, two sausages, four bits of toast, I have, and so, yeah, so it's kind of like, I do struggle, I mean, breakfast, I'm all right with, but it's more like the lunches and the dinners, I mean, uh. My dinner can be like 400, 500 grams of meat. So like any steaks, any chicken, red meats, so any kind of that kind of stuff, and then
0: yeah.
1: about four hundred grams of rice or two big potatoes. So you're like, I did it once with rice and I poured four hundred grams of rice and I was like, holy <laughs> crap.
0: It's like this. I
1: I, I messaged my nutritionist of like, What the hell? Like <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I'm just spooning, spooning. and then it took me ages to say, I don't really use rice, I use the potatoes because it's easier, but like yeah, yeah. That rice meal was one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life. It took me so long to eat. <laughs> by, the time I, by the time I ate that, it was really time for the next meal. But yeah, it's the food for me. Like a lot of people, like you said, say "Oh, 8,000 calories is easy. Oh, You're so lucky you're a pro strongman. You're so lucky you're a pro bodybuilder or whatever. But like, no. they are like coming to my shoes for a day and then yeah. or for a week and see how you can eat it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not easy. Oh, the food for me is the hardest part.
0: Yeah. I Beautiful. tell people, I tell people all the time, you know, cause you know, and bodybuilders bulk up, obviously in the off seasons, try and put on muscle. Yeah. Never, never, I've never eaten 8,000 calories, but let's say I bulked up and then we diet down to get ready for a contest. And it's like, to me, being hungry is easier than stuffing my face. Like that bulk, oh, yeah. that bulk period where you're eating more than you have to, to me, that's the most <laughs> un- uncomfortable. Yeah. period. So I can,
1: yeah. It's like me, when I'm at last meal at night, I'm just playing with it on the fork, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> ten mouthfuls to go. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I hold my hands up, sometimes I'm like, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not, like you said, going to bed, feeling crap, feeling that really full. I'd rather just be more of an empty stomach and wake up hungrier, because then I can actually eat. But, you know, when I get to that stage where I'm forcing myself to eat, I hate that stage. I hate yeah. that where I'm just not enjoying the food, doing yeah. this, because I just, I don't like that kind of stage, you know. So I never kind of try and, get to that stage you know the good thing about my nutrition is I have like five or six protein options so yeah. you know like I can if, I, if I'm not if I'm really kind of not hungry at lunchtime I can have a shake instead of the meal so it's, that's a good kind of way to do it you know for me. Yeah. So.
0: I was going to ask you are there days like for example like in bodybuilding we have like a day where I have a cheat meal where we can have whatever we want to eat right you're already having a bunch of food so are there days where you're like if you take a cheat meal is it like actually a day off where you can eat less like do you have days where you're allowed to eat 6,000 calories and give your body a break or 4,000 calories or something?
1: So Wednesdays is my recovery day. Uh, And that's when I, yeah, strip down the uh, calories. So that's maybe, yeah, maybe even 2,000 off, maybe 1,000, something like that. So it's really like to give my body that rest, that recovery and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, with the cheat meals, it's weird because obviously after a competition right now, I'm trying to get my my insulin levels and that back to normal and -hmm. stuff. So I'm not really... I'm only having one on the weekend, yeah. but usually what happens is as part of prep, a cheat meal will get in, get added in every day before the gym to use that as fuel. So before like it will be, be the normal meals plus that extra cheat meal for the
0: fuel. So but yeah, so you, it kind that's crazy though. Cause I, I understand the concept of needing it for fuel, but I also think like, what is a cheat meal? Like your whole diet seems like it's. I wouldn't even want a cheat meal if I ate 8,000 calories. What is what does a cheat meal look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I mean uh, it's burger and chips. That's I Nathan saw the I, I saw that.
0: The, I saw the one video. You ate like uh what the fuck was it? It was like a shake, and then you had like five donuts or <laughs> something like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a that's kind of like part of it as well. So that's like a mid-afternoon snack if I wanted it, but usually that gets taken out for the the so like my meal before the gym when I'm allowed it is a burger and chips yeah. or a double burger and chips. Uh yeah, you know, and I I feel the difference in the gym when I when I have that, you know, the fuel because right now I'm on the protein shake and like two donuts before the gym. And you can feel the difference from that to then having a good a burger. Cool. good burger and chips, you know, like but yeah, yeah. I love burger and chips and i never get bored of them, so I don't. I don't mind. You that don't have it.
0: any. You don't have any stomach issues trying to train when you after eating like a double burger and fries or chips. Yeah, that's, that's weird we think. my big
1: brother's opposite. Luke uh, can't eat that food and train, but like I've done it before when I've come into the gym stuffed a burger and chips, and then be the, <laughs> ten minutes later I'm doing deadless. And <laughs> I don't know how I have just got used to doing that, you know, because uh, since I've been with a as well, he's like he's always getting me before the competitions, before events to eat. So I'm always like kind of full. So I think it's just kind of got used to, yeah, uh, being that being that full, going out to a contest and stuff.
0: So it could be it could be age too. Because I remember, yeah, when I was when I was your age, when I was your age, says how fucking old I sound. When I was younger, (laughs) I could uh, I could eat like a burger and then go train and probably have a great workout. But how old Luke's probably like almost forty now.
1: Luke's ten years older than me. He's thirty-seven. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So he's almost forty. So. It gets a lot. Yeah. Hard, it gets a lot harder to process the food. Yeah, man. I what
1: you was saying. Because yeah, even he said, like five, six years ago, he could force food down. Train. Yeah. know but yeah. I'm just using it to my advantage. To say- <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I just have a couple more questions before I go because I don't want to keep you too long. But so, so to become a strong man, <clears throat> like in bodybuilding, you have to like go through the NPC. If you're if you want to be an IFBB pro, you have to go through the NPC. You have to win nationals or sure. one of one of the pro qualifiers, then you get your pro status. So to be on the world, to be part of the World Strongman show, like that show, that event, how do you get there? Like, do you have to win the Nationals of Scotland to, to get invited?
1: Uh, no, not Scotland. So you have to go to a third, uh, bigger stage. So basically there's a few different federations in Strongman. Uh, the main kind of one being Giants Live. So Giants okay. Live is the one that you want to do to get to these kind of big, big contest, which is obviously World Stronger's Man, and, I mean, it is a bit kind of different, because World Stronger's Man kind of select you by, can select you if you, they like you, or can select you if, uh, you know, you've had good performances in the past and stuff, or this and that, but usually it's if you qualify, if you're, like, top two in a Giants life competition and any one you okay. do, you usually get automatically, then, you know, good to good the invited. world, and also, also then, again, like, there's 25 people, athletes that go out to World Strongest Man. I think if you get to the top 10, the final, usually you get an automatic invite back as well. So basically, okay. if you're a finalist every year, you're kind of guaranteed a place back at World Strongest Man. And okay. um, usually it is the same kind of 25 people that you know are out there. There may be a, a few new faces, like for example, if they want a kind of another African country or something, they'll maybe invite someone as a wild card just to make it a bit more kind of interesting and stuff.
0: Yeah so yeah, it's, they have
1: all different ways to kind of get qualified for that kind of shows and stuff
0: yeah so when i watch on tv is only 10 guys so is is the televised part only for the finalists
1: so is that on american did you watch that on yeah a, like if i oh, watch,
0: like if i watch it on youtube or i watch it on like yeah, um, so I, yeah, the final,
1: and the forgive final me because I,
0: I probably don't watch enough to know but ones i have seen i usually only see the 10 guys so is it like does all 25 guys get, get television time or is it just the finalists?
1: Yeah, usually, I mean, when it's on in the UK, it's usually, uh, so you like each day usually has, so there's five groups. So in the qualifiers, it's five people, five groups. Yeah. Uh, 25 of them. And then there's weekends, the final. So usually it goes, group one is on a Monday, group two is on a Tuesday, group three, blah, blah, blah. Show some clips of that. Show maybe the top kind of athletes in each group. Yeah. And then every day, every every day there's a group. Uh, one group gets the television time, yeah, and then it comes to the final on the weekend, which is like a bigger show. I mean, it's on in the states right now, I think. And uh, I've been seeing World stores Man promote it, and it's like the groups are getting their coverage. So, like, okay, I so maybe group two or so, maybe yeah. on YouTube or whatever the highlights, maybe it's just the finalist, yeah. you
0: know. Like I said, I don't, I don't like, I'm not versed enough, enough in it yeah. to know, yeah. Um, but the other question I had was. And forgive me also if this is wrong, but when I watch the events, sometimes the events all are a little bit different. Like sometimes they're pulling a, a bus, sometimes they're pulling a truck, sometimes they're, you know, sometimes they're carrying jet skis, sometimes they're carrying motorcycles. Like, is it, to Strongman kind of like change the design of the show, how they feel?
1: Yeah, so it's not, it's not just even with World Straw man. this is with the Giants Live stuff as well. So... I think for me, that's why straw man is quite a hard sport to train for because, you know, like one show could have a one arm dumbbell press yeah, and yeah. then four weeks later, you could be going to a show with a log press. So you're kind of like, right, yeah. I need to get all this. So yeah, World is man, every single year, I mean, every single comp style you do is different and World is man, this year was completely different. I mean, they had a train pull, uh which hasn't been seen in... Bonk, like, ages, ages, ages. Uh, they had kind of, like, massive whiskey bottles you had to load up, which is usually just kegs. So, yeah, um, every year they do change it and make it kind of, like, this the hardest comp in the world, basically, you know? So, yeah. like, uh, I, we've done it where we've had to, like, load implements with sands. You've had to load implements in water. You've had yeah. to pick things up in water, run in water with them. Uh, like you said, we've run with motorcycles on our back. We've towed monster yeah. trucks. We've done this. They test every single kind of bit of yeah. your body. and uh, That's that's the kind of good thing about it because, again, as well, you don't get the events from World's Strongest Man till about four weeks before it. So you have to mm. do guesswork. So you have to be like, right, last year they had this pressing event so they might have this again. So you kind of have to guess your training as well. So that's a hard thing as well because, you know, four weeks before the comp is not is not a lot of time to yeah. be like, right, I've got this to do now. You know. So.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask because I'm like – I was going to ask you, like, when do you, when do you find out? So four weeks before you find out, like if there's a keg toss or whatever, and then you got to yeah, start.
1: Everything. So Four to six weeks. It's like, you find out that you find out what group you're going to be in, who's going to be in your group. So that's why like, world, well, you have to be like, you have to train everything. So you have to like on your event day on the weekend or whatever it is, you have to train like eight events because you don't know what's going to be in, in it, you know? So,
0: yeah. When you get, when you get set up in your groups, do you kind of know who's the best, at what event in those groups? Like, is there strategy? Yeah, but, to, is there a strategy yeah, to how so you're going to...
1: That's the advantage as well of having groups early because you kind of be like, right, oh, he's not the best at this. He's got that, so he's not. He's going to lose points and that. So, yeah, you can study the groups and be like, right, I'll train a bit harder at this event, you
0: know, so... Yeah. So what's next for you, man? Next to... Oh, that's what I want to ask you. Did you. What is the... Where does the Arnold Classic Strongman rank in the importance of Strongman?
1: Probably... It, uh, it's the heaviest show in the world in strongman, so world show like so yeah, it's heavy. The heaviest show in the world, and it's probably just as prestigious as world strongest man.
0: Really? So, are you doing? Oh. The Ar- are you going to do the Arnold's?
1: Yeah, I've been invited to Arnold, Ohio, but obviously, I think this year's been cancelled for strawman stuff. So, uh, okay. I think it's going to be next year. I'll do it. But yeah, because like for example, Sedrune Savikas, he's one of the greatest of strawman yeah. and he, the reason he's so great is because he's won Arnold's. Like four or five times on yeah. Worlds, three or four times. So yeah, he's like one of the greats there. But yeah, Arnold's is a very, very heavy show. Like the
0: heaviest show you'll get in the world. So. When you when you say heavy show, do you mean like the it's popular, or you mean heavy like the weights are heavier?
1: Like like statically heavy. Like you don't get any show near it. Like world strongest man. Oh, okay. For example, like world strongest man log presses are like 150 kilograms. There it's like 180 200 for as many reps as you can. You're walking what? with like
0: well, bonkers. It- <laughs> shouldn't it be standard though why do they do that why is it heavier just more impressive
1: i think it's always been like that in it like i think it's just again that prestigious title of, you know we're the heaviest show in the world come and see what yeah. you can do you know
0: yeah. kind of like that. that's very cool so uh lastly before you go um how is business and what what businesses do you guys have i know you have merchandise and you have your own gym is the gym private or public
1: yeah, so we have our gym, it's public, it was private, but now we've opened up to the public, we've got merchandise, obviously the YouTube kind of stuff, we're going to be opening up a, a kind of recovery centre up here in the Highlands, so that's awesome. we can be able to like get like all because up here is not much opportunity for that, so then we can uh, do that, and hopefully as well, uh, we're taking out a documentary at the end of the year on Netflix. That's uh, pretty sweet. Which work, yeah, and then hopefully our book as well, that's in the talk, so there's A lot of things in the kind of back burner right now as well. Uh, so we're just going to kind of see what see what it takes, as you know. But but right now, business is going good, you know, straw man's going good, and I just kind of have to ride the wave for a while and see what happens.
0: Hey, last question before you go What when when you talk about recovery, do you do ice baths at all or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at your YouTube, you'll be a, there's some serious ice baths there. We've done actually a lot which is one of the coldest in Britain. We did a I think it was minus four or five degrees we did ice swimming so we went under the ice and swam up and it was one of the scariest things i've ever done in my life like uh oh man we do we do a lot of like extreme stuff like that yeah but we do hot and cold every night as well
0: basically do you every
1: night yeah every night so we've got a setup in the gym as well so we don't yeah. do that at the beaches we've got hot tub cold tub we do every night yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah i've been considering getting one because I've, I've been you know talking to a lot of people about the benefit of ice bath and all that so if you're doing it, it's got to be good. I mean,
1: I thought it was like I, said, I thought it was a myth at first. I was like, how's going into cold water going to help me mentally and <laughs> yeah. get some uh, like yeah. inflammation down? But yeah, by my God, that's my go to recovery is that uh, you know, it's yeah, unbelievable.
0: I did it, I did ice baths for a long time. I just never did the, the hot cold back yeah, and the forth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Does the contrasting yeah. work better?
1: Yeah, contrast 100%. Yeah, uh, okay. 100%. Tom. It's nice to relax in the hot tub after the Yeah, yeah, just
0: stay there, yeah. <laughs> Tom, listen man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I I it's a, a a very honorable thing for me. Or it's an honor for me to have you on because you're the fucking world's strongest man. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, so finally, I very much want
1: to be part of this, like. So.
0: Yeah, I just want to say thank you and um maybe uh, as you get ready for your next competition, you'll come back on again and we can talk about it and see how things are going.
1: Yeah, 1000% man. Yeah, anytime just give me a message and I be cool. Be cool.
0: Is it? Is there anybody you want to thank or any sponsor you want to promote before we go?
1: I mean, I yeah, just obviously my wife, my family, you know, all the team that's behind me. I mean, I've sat on my sponsors, but they kind of know who they are as well. Just everyone that's kind of made this happen, you know. It's a although it's an individual sport, you have that support base that help you get to where you are. So, just a big thank you to everyone of them guys, and also all my fans as well. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be able to kind of, you know. Make my name how it is today as well. So,
0: okay, man. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much. Cheers. Hi, right, brother. Thank you. Thank you.